Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And guess what, folks? We've got a special guest today. Muy caliente, folks, I'm trying to tell you. I am so, so very excited to talk to this young lady. It has been, I mean, we have watched her career, both, both myself and Bryce. And I mean, this, this young lady, not only on the court, but off the court, has done some really outstanding things. And, and I, 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 I just, I'm just sitting here just shaking because I'm, I'm so ready to talk with her and find out what's going on. Bryce, tell me, how you feeling, bro? How you feeling about our special guest? Now, you know I'm excited. Right? Because this is, right? A, home, this is a home girl for me. Louisiana. <laughs> this is a home girl for me. So. <laughs> okay, can I, can I talk? Y'all just going to make me blush here. because everybody may not be up to speed on what you have done in your career. So real quickly, Chanda in her playing days, she reached a singles high of number six and won seven singles titles. And the majors, she made the fourth round of every Grand Slam title tournament. And in 1996, she made it to the semifinals of the Australian Open. She wasn't just a singles player. As for doubles, she won 10 titles, and one of those titles was the Australian Open title. So she has a major title to what? her belt yes. where uh, she and Arantxa Sanchez Vicario beat two of her, let's say, common commentator uh, peers, uh -huh. Lindsay Davenport and Mary Jo Fernandez. Right. Uh, but one of the things that I, I really want to call out, because when you talk about people being players and you want to know how they kind of match up with other players, I want to name very quickly... 10 players that Chanda, Chanda, excuse me, in her career gave the beat down to. <laughs> you can go on speed. Speak on it, friend. Gabriela Sabatini, <laughs> Arantxa Sanchez Vicario, Lindsay Davenport, Justine Enna, Emily Moresmo, Martina Hingis, Lori McNeil, Jennifer Capriotti, and both Venus and Serena Williams. Wow. So, <laughs> with that being said, we welcome Chanda Rubin to Brothers on Tennis. How are you doing, Chanda? I don't, I don't even know what to say after that. I mean, I, I'm just stay quiet. I'm going to let you, you just keep talking. Because I'm like, wow, I did that? Is that who I play? I remember some of them, but not all. But I, I, do, I do have to say, so Venus and Serena, I've beat them in doubles. They, of course, beat me as well with different partners. Beat them in doubles. I've beaten Serena in singles. I never got the win against Venus in singles. You know, those are the ones I think that stick with you a little bit more, you know, when you don't sort of get the, the goods on another player more than probably the wins. But she was tough. She oh. was tough and still is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, Chanda, that record in itself is just ridiculous. I mean, to play all, I mean, and folks, this is, this is what you have to understand. Chanda played all those folks. So she is of that caliber, if not above. And I am just so, so very excited to just hear more about how you came into this wonderful game of tennis, how you just how you jumped on the pro tour and 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 how that whole progression uh, uh, happened. So so let's just go ahead and jump in, Chanda. Talk to us about just kind of how your story. How did you get into this game of tennis? I think you know, like a lot of 
kids, players, you know, they, they pick up the sport because someone they knew, either someone in their family or a close friend or, you know, someone in their, in their circle loved the game, knew the game and introduced them to it. And, and for me, it was the same. My parents uh, introduced me to the game. They were, uh, they got married after college. My dad was a, a lawyer, eventually became a judge. My mom was a teacher, but they picked the sport up after college because of friends and just loved it. They would play tournaments on the weekends. Um, they would practice and, and try to play uh, early in the mornings before work. And of course, in the weekends with friends. And they ended up building a house when I was about two years old, building a house. And back then you kind of self-contracted, you know, when you didn't have a lot of money, getting your materials, putting everything together, finding the people to kind of help do the different jobs you needed done. And uh, through all of that, in, in all of that, um, my dad wanted and decided with my mom to build a tennis court in our backyard. So I had a tennis court growing up um, in my backyard, you know, all of all of my life. And, and they are still, my parents are still in that same house. I actually went out there yesterday and hit a few balls. <laughs> oh, wow. That is awesome. Crazy. Um, but that's what I grew up with. So on the weekends, you know, they'd be out there early in the morning. I was a late sleeper. I was kind of a sleepy head. I'd wake up, nobody would be in the house and I'd be scared for about three or four seconds and then it would click, oh, they're probably out on the tennis court and everything would just be like, okay, that's normal. That's natural. And it just went from there. So I just grew up with it um, uh, and it was a family thing. So everybody in your family plays? Yes. Um, I have an older sister and uh, I had a younger brother as well. Um, he passed a few years ago, but everybody played. My brother and my sister both played in college, got scholarships um, to play. Uh, so my sister at Southern University in Baton Rouge, my brother at LSU um, in Baton Rouge as well. And so, yeah, it was it was a family affair. Well, I can't let you go any further <laughs> without letting our listeners know. Chanda and I, not only are we both from the state of Louisiana, I'm from Shreveport and she's from Lafayette, but we both have very strong connections to Southern University. That's where I graduated from. I played on a tennis team there. My Both of my parents graduated from Southern University. Our producer, Chet, both of his parents graduated from Southern University. So there's a whole lot of SU love here. <laughs> no, they ain't. You know, no, they ain't. You know no, because uh -uh, I'm, I'm grand mistake. I'm a warn anybody. Don't say nothing bad about Southern, okay? <laughs> Just don't. Don't even think about it. That's the company you're in right now. I love it. Oh, Chanda, you're killing me here because I'm grabbing the state all the way. So, you know, that's our rival right there. Come on, man. You know, you, you, we're going to give you a little love. We're going to give you a little love because, you know, there have been some fantastic Bayou Classic games. And, and you know what? We're going to give you some love. My sister actually went to Gramlin initially. Um, and then decided, you know what, Southern was going to be a better fit. So, so you know, I, I'm I'm not mad at you, but I just like don't say nothing bad. Don't say nothing bad about Southern. I like how you put that. that. It was going to be a better fit. That was very politically correct. That was very very nice, Chad. I, that's I, you're all right. That's all right. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Good. So it sounds like everybody in the family is playing tennis, and, and that's just such a wonderful thing. I mean, talk about just the overall support that you got from your parents just as far as being, you know, in the game of tennis and, and 
taking you to tournaments and transitioning into a professional tennis player. How, how were they with that? Given the fact that, you know, your father was a judge and your mother was a teacher. It's like, you know, how, how, how did that support come? Yeah. I mean, my, my whole, my parents, they, you know, took it upon themselves to give us everything, all three of, of us, um, you know, myself and, and my siblings as well, just give us everything they could to allow us to develop and be the best players we could be. You know, of course, their love of the sport that sort of got translated to us. And, you know, when it was time to, to go to tournaments, yeah, we all pile, pile into the into the van. We had this uh, this old Ford van where you had the back that would turn into a bed, you know, so on long trips, you could at least sleep and, and be a little more comfortable. But, you know, we would pile in and, and it was nothing for us to drive six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours, you know, to go to a tournament to play, um, you know, during particularly during the summer, but sometimes during the year, uh, during, you know, weekend events. So, you know, it just, it was kind of our norm. And I feel fortunate because I understand you know, certainly in hindsight, how tough and how difficult it can be to, number one, get into the sport, to be able to afford to have a coach and, and be able to have uh, court time and to travel to these tournaments, events, be able to stay in a hotel, even one night, uh, you know, when you're having to do that to compete. And, and yet my parents did it. And I never knew that it was an issue, that it was that a bit of a problem or that it was any kind of an issue. It was just what we did. And we never really took vacations, but our vacations were tennis tournaments. That is so awesome. And Shannon, talk to us just about your decision-making process. When did you, when did you kind of know you were like, you know, yeah, I, I, I can, I can do this. I, I, I can be a professional tennis player. Yeah, it's, it's, funny when I think back on sort of the idea of being professional I, I really tried not to so much think of it along those lines because that really seemed at the time like a big idea you know mm -hmm. and this is when I'm you know 12 13 you know going into 14 years old that seems a bit young but at that age you know I'm already starting to consider uh, whether I'm going to play you know smaller you know challenger events you know USTA circuit events ITF uh, small ITF events, you know, so I started doing that at 14, you know, but 12 and 13, you're kind of starting to have the, the ideas put into your head um, by others. I'm, I'm winning national events. I'm playing up, um, you know, year after year. And so it, it was just, it, it seemed like a lot. And for me, it worked just to stay focused, to kind of stay, you know, in, in sort of my lane and, and what was important, improving, continuing, you know, to grow in terms of my game, you know, obviously trying to win more titles and just keep progressing and handling the competition at each level. That was instilled in me early on. And so I just kept my focus there. But yeah, I mean, it, at that age, I was starting to kind of consider, you know, certainly at 13, starting to play some of those smaller events at 14, I'm thinking, okay, how good can I be? Can, do I belong? I mean, the, the same questions probably lots of, of young people have when they are transitioning from one level to the next and they haven't done it before. You know, they haven't beaten uh, and handled the competition at that level. Yeah, I kind of wondered. And, you know, for me, I think the one of the, the delineations I sort of remember was getting into the top 100 in the world. Uh -huh. you know, so after playing, you know, some of the circuit events and, you know, doing well, 
you know, getting to the finals, winning some of those events, getting my ranking up, I felt like, okay, yeah, now, you know, I feel like I belong. Now, I feel like, you know, this is validated somewhat, even though I always felt like I could get there. It's still, it's different once you do it. And, uh, and so I was able to get to that, that stage and just keep progressing. And, and that for me was a key as well. Awesome. That is awesome. And Chanda, on that road kind of progression, that progression road that you were on, who were some of the folks that you kind of looked up to or were your inspirations if, in the sport? I mean, who were you kind of trying to be like and or aspiring to be? Yeah, I don't think I was trying to be like anyone or, or really even aspiring to be like a particular player. Um, you know, I didn't, in terms of idols, you know, I didn't have anyone that I really looked up to. There were players that, you know, I sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, were, were more interesting to me, you know, so Steffi Graf uh, and, and Yvonne Lindell were two players that, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I like their games. I like how they play aggressive. They've got the forehands, you know, that was like how I saw myself uh, game wise. And so, yeah, I liked, you know, watching those players and I liked kind of, you know, seeing how they were on court, what their demeanors were like, um, you know, so that was probably the closest in terms of idolizing. But, you know, another player, of course, was Zena Garrison, you know, at the time who, um, you know, was a player that looked like me, was a player right, that right. I could relate to a little bit more, you know, got, you know, to the finals of, of Wimbledon, you know, Lori as well, because they grew up playing together and their, theirs was such a, an amazing story. And at 15, I actually got the chance to go to Houston and practice with the two of them at McGregor Park, you know, and with John uh, Wilkerson. I mean, it was huge. You know, I remember mm -hmm. that moment. I remember that experience. So, you know, for me, it was more, you know, of that type of connection um, that that became important. And and I'm thankful for that experience as well. And, and you know, to this day, Zena and I are friends. And, um, you know, I just have so much respect and appreciation for what she was able to do and accomplish. And it sort of helped me in my career. Well, I tell you what, Chanda, our, our similarities and the things that we have in common continue to grow because <laughs> I, I'm so happy to hear you say that Yvonne Lindell was one uh -huh. of your, one of the players that you enjoyed watching because he was my favorite. And I don't come oh. across a lot of people yeah. that pick Lindell. You know, they may pick McEnroe <laughs> or, or Becker or somebody. I don't hear Lindell a whole lot, so I'm like, okay, Chanda, I, I can I can relate to that. Chanda, you can only imagine how his expression just lighted up <laughs> when you said you. I can't <laughs> only imagine. So, so we're like two of the weirdos in the world, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is crazy. So so Chanda, just really quickly, talking about your. Your, you know, the rivalries and the players that you played during your day. And, and a lot of things that we try and do here on Brothers on Tennis is we really try and talk about, you know, our sisters and brothers out on tour. And I know that towards the end of your tour, kind of as you mentioned, you did get a chance to play both of the Williams sisters. Can you kind of talk to us or give us a little bit of, you know, of juice, if you will, on, you know, what was your relationship like with Serena and with Venus kind of as you were playing on the tour? I mean, was, you know, what, <laughs> Was it cool? Because I remember Zena, when we, we when we interviewed her, she would talk about how she would get together and cook food and all the, all the folk would come together and we'd have a good celebration. Was that the type of relationship you guys had or was it a little bit a little bit more spicy given <laughs> given y'all were uh, competing against one another? 
you know, I, I, it was a good relationship. It probably wasn't quite as involved as the relationship that Zena was able to have with them because, you know, she was, you know, done with her career, had the chance to coach them. So a, a little bit of a different difference in terms of mentorship. But I remember when I first met them, I was probably 16. And, you know, Venus is about four years younger, roughly Serena's about five or so. And so, you know, I was still kind of a young player coming up. You know, I hadn't made my breakthrough yet into the top 10. Um, but they were, you know, 11, 12 years old and literally had not been really playing junior events. Everyone was talking about them, you know, their games. You could see that they were the athleticism, you know, the size, Venus, her height, even at that time, you could see she was going to be tall, right. um, you know, and, and you could just, you know, tell that they were going to be great players. Now, how great, I mean, you know, of course, you know, Richard Williams, their father, you know, had this whole, this whole thing planned out and he was crazy like a fox. I mean, he, everything came true. That he said. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest stories, if not the greatest story in tennis, but, you know, at the time you just didn't know, nobody had really seen them, but I remember meeting them and, and you know, we're all shy as kind of young players and, but, you know, respect. Um, we are a few of the, the, players of color at that point in the mm -hmm. game, right. you know, young players. And so there was a connection there, but, you know, we're still really young and, and it's not that huge of a deal. I remember later on, um, you know, sort of when they came out onto the tour, started playing, you know, started making, you know, their moves um, as professionals, I had made kind of my move and my little breakthrough into the top 10 semifinals at the Australian whole nine. And I'd had this match at the French Open uh, probably the previous year. Maybe it was a year and a half or so later. Um, but um, I'd had this, this comeback against Yana Nevada. And I remember Venus and Serena both coming up to me. And they were just giggling. And I was like, okay, we got to ask you. We have got to ask you. This is true. I mean, we can't believe this is true. Did you actually come back from being down five love, 40 love in the third? And they were just looking at me like, you know, I had two heads and I was like, yeah, yeah, I came back. I mean, to me, it wasn't like that big of a deal. I mean, I just fought, I competed. Like that's what you did. But they thought it was, it, it was hilarious. And the two of them together, you know, just seeing them, even at that time, you could see the bond, you could see the connection. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have my sister playing tennis right. with me, going through the same things, you know, having her there. I mean, that's what they had. And it was the most special, incredible thing. But it was one of my first sort of real uh, significant interactions with them. And <laughs> to this day, we kind of laugh about it sometimes. But, um, you know, through the years, we, we've continued to have a good relationship, even though we've competed against each other. Um, I had them come to my hometown to help me with a charity event years ago and so they both came and did that and and so you know we've had a good relationship over the years i still will text or talk to both of them at times but it's always a little bit of a different dynamic when you're also when you've been playing and competing uh -huh. against other players as well um you know there's sometimes a bit of a limit to how close you can grow uh with them but it it's certainly they're two of the players that whenever we see each other it's like we still kind of go right back to where we were you know, oh, and, and it's, it, it's just, yeah, it's a cool thing. And it's, for me, it's fantastic to still have them out playing at the levels that they've been playing at. 
you know, it's been one of my motivations to stay in the game as a broadcaster. <laughs> I love right. it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been a, a very, you know, it's just been fantastic. Well, Chanda, I think, and I, I want to make sure we don't gloss over it. I think that Novotna match where, and maybe some of our listeners are not familiar, but in 1995, Chanda was playing Yana Novotna, you know, rest in peace, um, at the French Open in the third round, and they had split the first two sets. Mm-hmm. And in the third set, Novotna was up serving five love, 40 love. And Chanda came back and won that match. I always feel like you don't get enough credit for that because are you are you aware of another match that reached that point in the final set and the person that was down actually came back? I'm not aware of one. I think there was one match that was maybe close to it where it might have been like down a set in 5-1 or something like that or maybe a set in 5-love, maybe not match points. So I'm not aware of one coming from down, you know, someone coming from down from that position. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it is <laughs> well, a little yeah, bit Chanda, nuts to think about it. <laughs> um, it is. It's, so what's funny to me, Chanda, because I did watch that match. And so I, I got to make some comments here, because first of all, you have this beautiful smile. <laughs> Let's just go and put it out there. You have this beautiful smile. And it seemed like <laughs> every you. time I looked at you, it was like you were trying to fight back, smiling I like, the same like thing. I cannot believe this. This was she trying to let me back up in you, right? She, I mean, it was like I was. It was like you were initially like, "Look, I'm good. I'm about to take my little bagel, my breadstick. I'm gonna sit on the side, snack away, and be cool." And then next thing you know, it was like, "Wait a minute, she let wait wait a minute. She about to let me back in this thing." And, I don't oh think you wrong on that one. I, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy because I still, you know, there's a lot of matches I don't remember, you know, exactly what happened, you know, point to point. Most of them I don't. And, and that one, I can't say exactly what happened point to point, but I remember so clearly at that moment, five love, 40 love. I remember it clearly. And, you know, you mentioned, I mean, Yana Nevada is such a beautiful soul. You know, her loss was was huge for tennis, for the tennis community. So absolutely, I hope she is resting in peace. But that moment, I remember thinking, okay, how, number one, how did I get here? Okay, I was up the set, (laughs) feeling good. I was like, ooh, I'm up for a top five player. I'm I'm on Keith Chartier, French Open, like, I'm good. I'm cool. And then it just went downhill so quickly. And so five months, four months, how did I get here? My next thought was, you know, because I had a good setup in Paris. My mom was there. She had brought food like from home, stuff in her bag. So she was cooking. We had a little <laughs> apartment we had. And, you know, when you rented, you know, flats, you rented it for the two weeks. I mean, yeah. that's what they required. You, hopefully you were there the whole two weeks, but you know, that's what you had to do. So we had a flat on the river, the sand, and it was just beautiful. Like I nice. walked to the store, get some, get some tea, you know, get a little, you know, pastry in the morning. I'm like, I like it here. I don't want to leave yet. <laughs> so I love 40 love. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to be, you know, changing my flight. I'm gonna have to, you know, pack my bags. I'm literally on the court, going to the back of the court, you know, the 30 seconds in between points 20 seconds I'm literally thinking that 
kept, I'm going to call my travel agent. I'm going to book my flight. I got to pack my bag. You know, I'm about to go home. And my very next thought was, you know what? I'm going to stay here a little longer. Got a good situation. I just want to stay here a little bit longer. Let's just stay one more point. I'm on center court. It's nice out here. Stay a little bit longer. <laughs> and, you know, so I just started making balls. And I didn't have that you know, push, I got to win, I got to win. Like all of that fell away literally from one point to the next. I just started making balls, getting balls in. I won the first one. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to just stay a little longer, right? Win the next point. I mean, and at no time am I thinking I'm going to win this match. If you would have told me at that moment, I would have said, you're crazy. Go sit down. <laughs> like you've been drinking, what you've been drinking. Right, what you've been drinking, <laughs> sipping on something, yeah. right? Something, okay. But... You know, I just, one point at a time, I literally just didn't want to leave. And I got rid of everything else that couldn't help me that was negative. The outcome, the winning, the losing. You know, what am I going to do the next point? Like, it, I didn't even think about all that. Just make balls. She serve, return, just make balls and play. She's going to have to just win the last point. And she couldn't do it. And I started seeing that. So I think that's that little smile that kind of kept fighting. Yep. Yep. I've been there as a player. When you get nervous, you get tight, and yep. you just can't make the basic shots you had been making. Her slice kind of left her. She started dumping mm -hmm. slices in the net. Uh, and, and, of course, with her going down, I was going in the opposite direction because everything for me was just a bonus. And it all started with just staying in the moment, and just fighting. And it, that match, more than any other, really taught me a major lesson. And, you know, because of that, it's one of the matches that really helped propel me and, and has been, you know, a big influence during, throughout, you know, the rest of my career. Well, I'm going to go on record and say, as it relates to Brothers on Tennis, that is the greatest yes. final set comeback Preach. in the history of the game. Preach. It just it just is. The, the it's true. It's right. ridiculous. It was it, it's it's so inspiring. And like Bryce said, Chanda, I don't I don't think you know just the level of impact that that has because it's it's so inspiring to see that. And like I said, just the fact that you loosened up. And like I said, every time I looked at you, you had that little smile. You were like, I'm not gonna smile. I'm not gonna show that. I'm going to try and be respectful, yeah. but she let me back up in this, y'all. Right. I thought that was so incredible. One of my absolute favorite memories of your career, by far. Oh, so good. So, so Chanda, overall, we know that, you know, you had just the, an outstanding career, but one of the things that, of course, you, you, you had to deal with were, were injuries. And, 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 unfortunately, there were just, just too many, and, and, and I'm just... It's just really sad that it kept coming at you. And I just wanted to kind of allow you to kind of give us a little bit on kind of what you went through and the injuries and sort of what was your process when you when you had an injury? What was your thought process as far as getting back out there and rehabilitating? And when did you finally think, you know, hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm good and I'm ready to actually transition out of the sport? Can you kind of take us through that whole process? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a junior, first of all, I really didn't have injuries mm. you know I mean hardly any I mean I don't remember any major ones you know I've never needed surgery even close to that you know it was I can't even remember ever being out any long period of time because of an injury you know I'd have the occasional ankle sprain that take a little time or whatever you know but my first big injury was the wrist surgery 
that I needed, you know? You have little aches and pains. I mean, as a player, something's always sore. Um, but that the wrist was like pain. And it came after, you know, the big breakthrough, getting to the top 10, I mean, playing good tennis and just steadily moving up. And, you know, for, for me, that first injury was just like the shock really to the system more than anything else mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, and because it was my right wrist, my forehand was my big weapon. Uh-huh. And for me, it was like getting over that, you know, it was figuring out, okay, like, first of all, how am I going to get past the injury part? Because it, nobody could tell what it was. And I went back and forth. I kept playing with pain. It didn't work. It actually changed my forehand, lost confidence. And so the big part was just that, you know, when you have injuries and you're out for large chunks of time, it affects your confidence. Right. You know, it affects how you feel about yourself and your game. And in particular, if it is actually something you started compensating for and it's changed sort of how your fundamentals are structured, that's even worse. And so for me, that first injury, it was, it was huge from that standpoint. I didn't really have the experience, you know, to deal with it, you know, how to get back. And it took me a lot longer. You know, I had some initial good results, but, but just, it started to take a toll and, you know, you also, I think what one thing people don't realize as well that they don't maybe think about as much are the things players go through off court, especially as they're growing up, as they are, you know, becoming adults, they're trying to figure themselves out as well as, you know, play this game at a high level and improve in that. And so a lot of that for me was happening at the same time, you know, just trying to take more control, trying to figure out myself as a person. And then you got, you know, injuries and it's affecting your game and your strengths and, and such. So that period was tough. I have had some injuries since then, once I was able to get back. And for me, the mindset is when you come back, you've got to start with the basics. Right. You know, first of all, are you healthy? Are you close to pain-free? You know, a lot of times you're not totally pain-free, but it, it, you kind of have to still work through some kinks and, you know, it's improving as you go. Uh, from what doctors will tell you. And so, you know, it's more of starting with the basics, you know, trying to understand how you need to develop points because when you first come back from injury, that's kind of what you lose. You haven't been playing, you know, you don't have, you know, the instinctiveness that's there when you have months and years of matches behind you in a row. And so, you know, getting back to that, you know, how do you, how do you want to develop this point? What are you trying to do from the start, from your serve, from the return? And I think with the injuries, I actually learned those more important, you know, sort of aspects of the game. I really had to understand the game more and I couldn't just use my power. I couldn't just use my ability. You know, I really had to understand those key factors. And so in some ways it helped um, as much as it was something you don't want to have to go through. Wow. Well, even with the injuries, I mean, there's no question you had a stellar uh, career as a player. And But one of the things that we really respect and we think is equally as impressive is how you have just transitioned into this broadcasting yes. career. And, you know, can you just talk to us a little bit about 
was this something that was always like a goal for you or did you get presented with an opportunity and you just kind of took advantage of it? You know, how did this all come about? Well, it's, it's funny. We just kind of talked about the injury and certainly, you know, things kind of flowed from me being injured towards the end of my career. So I couldn't get back. Uh, my third knee surgery uh, I just could not get healthy again. And I probably tried for about three years, you know, combination of, you know, two surgeries during that period of time, you know, rehabbing, trying to get back, playing with pain, not able to. And by the kind of end of that third year, end of 2007, I was just really frustrated and, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And that was probably the toughest period, um, you know, for me, because I, I'd had a knee surgery beginning of 2001, beginning of 2002, you know, got back for about a year and a half. Then I needed another knee surgery after the U.S. Open in 2004, had an ankle surgery oh. uh, in 2005. And again, just could not get healthy. I'm, I'm trying to train, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's one of the most fresh was one of the most frustrating periods for me. And so at the end of 2007, I just, I can't do it anymore. It felt like quitting in a, in a way, but in my heart, I knew I tried everything and I just, it just was, was not going to work. And so I didn't even announce my retirement. I just, you know, I told my coach, um, just, it was tough conversation. Um, and my family of course knew, but did not announce it. Didn't do the whole, you know, tour. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Right. kind of finished my career. Like I just didn't say anything to anyone. Um, and in 2008, I got offered uh, an opportunity to commentate at the uh, Indian Wells and then the Miami event. And, you know, those were kind of the first real opportunities. I had done a bit of commentating in 2007 for Tennis Channel at the French Open, but I was still trying to play. So I was still thinking, you know, I was going to come back, but, I, you know, I'm not playing this tournament that year. And, and so I said, you know, I'd do the two weeks. This was the first commentating I did knowing that I was done playing. And so I feel like that was kind of the start, um, but it still wasn't a clear idea that I want to be a commentator. It was just an opportunity. Yeah, I've been playing the sport for so long. I have a knowledge base, you know, why not? And I did enjoy it, but I still just wasn't quite sure. And during that time, I felt like I needed to kind of do different things. You know, as a tennis player, you're so focused on one thing, very singular minded, you know, not really, you know, doing a lot of extracurricular things the way normal kids would do, the way normal mm -hmm. young people would, would do. And so I felt like it was an opportunity for me to kind of do that and figure out what I wanted to do. And I decided I'd go back and I'd get my real estate license. Oh, I had nice. already started, yeah, I'd already started investing in commercial property while I was playing, but I didn't feel I knew enough about it to really handle the business myself. And so I wanted to understand better. So got my real estate license. I'm a licensed realtor, even to right. this day. All right. And, and then uh, during that period, um, I also decided I would go back to school and get my undergraduate degree. So I went to Harvard for that. So you know, for three or four years, I was kind of focused on, you know, school, on building, you know, sort of my real estate knowledge and, and the business I already kind of had, and then also kind of moonlighting as a commentator. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just a weird, it was a weird kind of existence, but that was, that was where I was and it kind of worked. And I was literally, because I had an office building 
um, you know, large office building with, you know, 23 tenants, you know, I was the leasing agent, you know, plus I was there on site every day. I had my office there. It was like a full service building. So I literally would be in the office every day during the real, doing the realtor and, and commercial property thing. And then I'd here and there go off for weeks at a time <laughs> to compensate. And so I, I think for me, it was important because it, it helped me to kind of grow a bit more and then understand exactly what I wanted to do. And it's also kind of, it allowed me to hone my craft a little bit as a commentator because I just, uh -huh. I didn't get opportunities thrown at me. I literally, you literally had to, you know, build with relationships, a little bit of networking. I didn't uh -huh. have an agent anymore, you know, cause I had just kind of faded out of this sport. So nobody was really trying to, you know, pump me up, but it was about, you know, the work I did, the people I worked with, and then there would be other opportunities that came from that. So I feel like, you know, it was kind of a blessing because I earned it, you know, I had to earn it. And right. you know, I had to, I had to actually, you know, get better and kind of pay my dues. And, uh, and so it, I think it's made me a better commentator and, you know, it continues to kind of motivate me today. I tell you what, your story is such a lesson for other athletes Absolutely. because, you know, we've, we've all seen the stories of where athletes after their playing days are done, they're kind of lost because that's mm -hmm. all they've done their entire life and they don't really have that next thing to go to and what I really love hearing you say is that you took time to invest in yourself yep and beyond being you, you were no longer defined as just being a professional tennis player but you really built your skill set and it, it makes your transition to broadcasting to me even more impressive yeah, and um, like you said, Bryce, she put in work. And that did. also is what is so incredible. She's like, it wasn't like it was handed to me. Nope. She put in work. She went back to school. She got that education. Chandler, I love, gosh, I love this story. Right. Love your story. And well, so, thank you. And something I want to add on to that, I mean, just like you were as a player, you were one of very few African-Americans that were out there on tour. It's the same thing for you in, in the broadcasting booth. And, and, and before you even answer this about your experience as an African-American in broadcasting, Isaac and I have talked about this for years. Mm. The way that you conduct yourself, well, really it started the way that you conducted yourself on, on court. On court, absolutely. Uh, just very professionally, mm. not a lot of madness and craziness out there on the court. You make us so proud on the Tennis Channel because, and we, and I don't know how many episodes of our show you've listened to, we have said many times, <laughs> you are our favorite commentator on the Tennis yeah. Channel. Thank and you. we are just so proud of the job that you do there. So yeah. tell us about being one of the few minorities on, in the broadcasting booth. You know, I think, I don't think about that as much, but it's there, right? I mean, absolutely. I know it's, you know, it's there front and center, but kind of like how I thought of things as a player, you know, you just focus on yourself, you know, for me, focus on what I need to do, how I need to grow. You know, there are times where I have felt like, okay, I've got to be better than this mm -hmm. person who doesn't have the resume I have and it's getting opportunities and I'm, going to tournaments and I'm literally building the relationship, you know, paying my own way, getting just enough per day to kind of make it make sense for dinner, you know, and, and I did that time and time again. And, 
you know, on one hand, you can kind of be bitter. You can kind of be a little bit angry and, and frustrated. But I always tried to look at that as a positive. I always tried to kind of turn it around and say, you know what? This is what I have to do right now. It's what it is. You can't yep. change it. Yep. So get to work. Right, do what right. you got to do. Right? right. Make 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 an opportunity from it because one thing is certain, I'm not going to get the job and then say I didn't do a good job or I don't deserve the job next time because mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure they're going to say both of those things. And so that was like kind of my motivation. So, you know, once I had an opportunity, it was just I'm going to get another one from it and I'm going to get another one. And sometimes it would be people I work with who would say, you know what, there's another thing over here. I would have never even known about it. Because as I said, I didn't have an agent, you know, working for, to get me deals, just letting me know about opportunities that were coming up. I mean, literally, I'm having to kind of find out about it from the people I'm around. And so oftentimes it would be somebody I work with who would say, you know, you'd be great in this opportunity. And, oh, you'd be really good here. I'm going to tell them about you and they'll maybe give you a call. And for me, that was the best feeling because you don't have to give me anything because you trying to make me feel good about it. You know, give me the opportunity I earned that I deserve and I'm cool with that. And so I just, that was just always my mentality. And I guess it's that five love, 40 love down the path. <laughs> I'm not gonna quit. I, love it. I mean, you can say and do whatever, but I'm not gonna quit. So give me a challenge and I like it even better. Piss me off just a little bit. I'm good with that. Cause I'm a really nice, easy going person. Just give me a little fire. I'm going to let it burn. <laughs> so I love it. always my mentality. And I think it certainly helped me during, you know, this period of time because there was just no, there was no script for it. You know, and you kind of mentioned it. When you retire from tennis, nobody's helping you figure out how to make that transition. You know, you have the people around you, but they don't really understand either. You know, you, how do you go from, playing a sport at that level, you know, to then working at a job, you know, and and how do you go about it? You know, what job should that be? And, and so I think it, for me, it just helped kind of having to, to, to fight a little, having to push a little bit outside of where I might've been comfortable before. Uh, that I think has been, has been a, a benefit. Absolutely. And, and, and Chandra, we call that good favor around here. That's, yes, that's, 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 I mean, that's, that's just God at work. It's yeah. like if, when that's you true. put in the work, God will work. You know what I'm saying? I, no, I, I, and I'm, I'm gonna tell, yes, sir. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you something else because so during this period, I mean, you mentioned God at work. It, he is absolutely. And I don't, you know, I'm not the person to be talking and shouting from the rooftops, but I believe it. I know it. And I've seen it. And you know, it's funny at, at one point, you know, it was, it was some rough times, you mm-hmm. know, and at one point, you know, I'm just trying to kind of figure out, okay, my next steps, I'm here in Louisiana. I mean, nobody's coming to Louisiana to give opportunities, you know, <laughs> to a tennis player that was lucky to get out of here. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm just trying to keep pushing and figuring things out. I had built a house, you know, you t- okay, was that a good move? Nice house, da, da, da. And, and then in the midst of all that, my house burns. Yeah, I remember hearing Lightning about that. Hits my house and it's a total loss because it burns for like three hours. And uh-huh. you know, it's just so crazy because I had people after that coming up and saying, Oh, it's so, oh, I'm so sorry. It's so terrible. Are you okay? Are you 
And, you know, I, I had to just tell them the truth. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I said, the biggest thing I'm happy about, nobody was hurt. Nobody, you know, in my home, it was just me at the time. Uh, you know, nobody else in their homes got hurt because this was, you know, could have happened. These houses, some of these roofs were very close together. Uh, very nice neighborhood, but like, you know, small lot lines like they do um, in some of these areas. And like I said, I'm just thankful no one else got hurt. And you know what? It's just stuff. You can replace it. That's you right. can rebuild That's it. That's right. And it's so funny because from that moment on, it's like things have kind of taken off in a positive direction in terms of what I needed at the time. And so I say that it was absolutely God at work. I met my husband through some of that. Mm -hmm. You know, married, we got, you know, family, the whole, and, and like, it's just, when I think about the last 10 years and some of the tough spots in the early part of it and where I am now, I mean, I can't help but, but be blessed. And even through all of what we're going through now, I remember and think about that. Such an inspirational story. I, I, you know, and this is, this is one of the reasons why we do this show. That's right. Because you don't get to hear You don't this, get to hear this. Right. Folk don't hear this. Yeah. Our folk needs to, they need to hear these types of stories and be inspired. Put that work in. Absolutely. Put that work in. And speaking of your work, I just want to real quickly ask you about being a tennis analyst on the Tennis Channel. You know, what is it about that that you like? Maybe what are some of the things that you don't like? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the people, what I, one of the things that I love are the people. And, you know, certainly, you know, people sort of take you as you are, maybe how they react to you is what you give off. And, and some of that I'm, I'm certain is a factor, but it's just a really good group of people. And, you know, I've, I've worked with Tennis Channel for a lot of years, but just on the fringes, you know, doing the occasional stuff here and there. Mm -hmm. Over the last three years, I've been, you know, front and center more, and I've just become more and more a part of their everyday coverage, their major coverage. And, you know, that too has, has been a blessing. It's allowed me to get consistent reps because that's what I was always kind of wanting when I was doing, you know, a tournament here, there, you know, I'd, I'd commentate tournament for a week or two, then I wouldn't work for three months. Uh, and getting the reps helps, you know, that helps you kind of hone your, your skill, your craft, right. and, and also your voice and That's just staying right. immersed in it. And so that was what I wanted. It wasn't about the money, wasn't about being on TV. I just mm -hmm. wanted more opportunities. And so they've given me that and they've allowed me to really grow and to really shine. And, and it's just kind of come together at the right times but I'd say the um is what I, I love the most um about the group and it's just it's a good environment I've worked with some other networks and you know it's not always a great environment right. and you know sometimes you feel like you gotta cut the next person to get what you need and that I don't feel that <laughs> I don't have to cut somebody every day okay no, so that <laughs> That is what I love. What I don't love is probably what I just told you. <laughs> is that, you know, that environment where it's just, you know, that this person, you're doing well and they hating on you because you've got an extra shift, an extra opportunity. Like I, that, I just can't get with. But at Tennis Channel, it's just not the case. And it's been fantastic. Oh, that is great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, what we're going to do is we're going to put some of your tennis analyst skills 
to the test right, right now. All right. Now, something that I was mm. very familiar with is we like to do something what we call rapid fire. Mm. And for you, what we want to do today is we're going to give you six names and we'll give them to you one at a time. And we'd like for you just to whatever comes to your mind about this player, it can be about their game, it can be about their person, it can be about their reputation, anything that comes to your mind, feel free to speak. So uh, I will go with the first person, mm -hmm. yes. and I'd like to hear what you think about Madison Keys. A power. Big, big tennis. <laughs> she is small. <laughs> as hard as as anyone and i mean i i consider myself a big hitter you know that's, that's my nickname uh, uh, yeah, that's but right. madison pease that is a big hitter and i've always respected players like that and i believe she has still so much potential um and she's one of those players if she can rein it in just enough at the critical moments you know she's gonna hold up the big trophy now I'm gonna be honest with you, Chanda. I, I, <laughs> listeners know I have been writing Madison Keys for a while now because I have all. I have. If I ever meet Madison, she is probably gonna slap me. But I, I agree with you. She has a God-given physical ability that is insane. Mm -hmm. But. I don't know, something's not going on upstairs, you know, that in these crucial moments in these matches, I, I'm not sure why she's not able to get the job done on the biggest stages. Well, and me and Bryce have talked about this before, and I really feel like when Lindsay was in her corner and coaching her, I felt like that's when I we really saw a lot of good, the good combination of the mental as well as the physical capability for Madison Keys. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers, Chanda. So I'm, I'm like you. I'm just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> keep, keep waiting. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I mean, it, that's the, the tough part about any player. You just don't know, especially when they haven't done it. And, you know, you get to where you have such a big game, it can be difficult to understand how to you know, rein it in at the right moments. And that will always be a challenge for her. I think, hope, you know, that she can get it. Um, but yeah, it, it's not going to be easy and it's going to take tremendous discipline. And, and Lindsay, I think, has been great for her. And, you know, they're still great friends. And, you know, she at any point has Lindsay as a mentor. So hopefully that can kind of help push her uh, nice. even further. Good. And we do love Lindsay on the show as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So the <laughs> next person we have for the rapid fire for you is Miss Sloan Stevens. Talent. Mm. I mean, right. she has like every shot. She can play, you know, she can play offense, she can play defense. And sometimes that's the toughest. You know, oh, yeah. to consistently manage to know what to do in different situations. And, and even, you know, from the aspect of just working consistently, I think that's where her challenge is because, you know, she, she does have so much ability. Uh, that run with her winning the U.S. Open a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, I mean, that was incredible. Um, and even with her game, I don't think anybody would have said they saw that coming at that moment with right. what she had been through, having been injured and, you know, on crutches in a wheelchair just six months before. I mean, it was incredible, but you saw it there. I mean, that match against Venus in the semifinals, I, I yeah. still think about, I still think about a couple of those backhands, like how in the world did she 
come up with the with the goods. You know, Venus was playing great tennis on her side. So she, for me, Sloane Stevens, I mean, she has such an incredible game. And I just hope that at some point she can become more of a consistent player at that level because she has the game. Yep. Okay. Agree. Okay. Agree completely. All right. The next one for me is Miss Taylor Townsend. I mean, just hands. hands and I I love Taylor you know I had a chance to spend some time with her um, and Zena um, you know on one of the islands we did a little event we you know spent some time with kids there and you know she was just a delight Uh, she's certainly grown since then she's become you know more of a young woman and you see her game I mean she has you know the hands the natural ability and athleticism who can, you know, serve and volley the way right. she did against Simona Halep in that match. And, oh, yes. and that's her game. Like, that was no fluke. It right. just came together, you yeah. know, at the right moment in the right way, combined with her belief in herself. And I think that for, for Taylor, that is the continuing challenge, that if she can continue to believe in herself, believe in her game. But we all know, you know, developing an attacking style, an attacking mm-hmm. game, mixing and serving and volleying, that takes longer. And yes. so I think, you know, so many people have written her off, but I don't think the story is by far anywhere near over. And I would love to see her really become more of a factor. Uh, uh, same yep. here, because Absolutely. we were at that match at yes, the we and was blown away. And actually, a couple of months ago, we were at the Challenger in Newport Beach before Indian Wells, and we were watching her matches there. And it was very frustrating because she was playing those matches from the baseline. From the baseline. We were like, where are you? Yeah, where was that person we saw at the U.S. Open who was in the net 100 times in a match? Mm -hmm. So we hope that that Mm -hmm. confidence comes, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. all right, next one for you, Miss Chanda. Francis Tiapo. <laughs> That's an athlete. I mean, uh, just a natural, natural athlete, so fast. You know, this is another, another player who, you know, has so many shots. And, you know, for me, spend a little time around him. For me, he doesn't even fully know how to play the game yet. And... Uh. And yet he has gotten to the level he's got to. He's beaten players that he's, you know, been able to beat. You look at the top guys, and, I mean, he plays them close. You pretty much know he's going to bring it, particularly when it's a big match at hand. And that's what you'd like to see um, in in a young player. And, you know, he'll lose a tight match in the third set, tight match in the fifth against Federer, against Medvedev, against, you know, all these, you know, top guys. Uh, and I just hope, I mean, I would love to see him continue to put it together, continue, you know, to understand how to play from his strengths, you know, because he, again, he's the type of player who can play defensive tennis and who can also play offensively and can go between the two. You know, some of us, we just got to pretty much play our game, you know, one way. <laughs> Are we going to get killed and smoked? But he's the type <laughs> of player similar to a Sloan Stevens. They can decide. Okay. That's just, right get a lot of balls right now. I'm going to just stay on the point. Or, okay, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, you know, hit some big shots and, and I'm going to dictate and control it. Uh, and, and for Francis, you know, he can also play at the net. He's got good hands. Oh, yeah. um, but again, yep. I would love to see him just understand how to play his game more and more in the big situations, play it more consistently against the top guys, 
that's the only way you beat the top players. You beat number one. You know, you beat top 10 players consistently. If you come and you don't have it all together, they're going to exploit that. And I think that's where Francis is. And, and, you know, so he's another player that I hope can kind of put it all together consistently. All right. I like that answer. Well, this is the the question that the world is asking. (laughs) What about Miss Coco Goff? Impressive. I mean, she she's rock solid in so many ways that you would not expect someone of her age to be just yet. Mm-hmm. You know, she seems to you know just understand the right things. You know, the things that she needs to be focusing on, the right things to say. Um, and I love I love her her game, but it's her her ability to compete, her hardness. You know, that that look that she gets when she's kind of down and and the moment could overtake her as it has so many players who don't have the experience yet. And she just keeps rising above it. Like for me, that's the most impressive thing about Coco Gall, you know, the mental side of it and how she seems to just, you know, get, get harder, the tougher the situation is. And that's a great sign. I think she can only grow with her game. You know, we kind of heard her talk about, uh, you know, some of the challenges that, you know, she's had just mentally and emotionally. And I, that's normal. You know, I mean, at 15, 16, being under the microscope the way she's been, you would be surprised if she hasn't had you know, <laughs> right. any of those, you know, tough moments you exactly. know, mentally. So, you know, I, I just hope she can continue to grow as well and uh, continue to you know, just let her game evolve and not start to feel that pressure, not start to, to feel that weight on her. And if, if that's the case, I mean, we're going to see her as an exciting player for some years to come. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree. And Shanda, our last one for you. Zena Garrison. Oh, Zena Garrison. That is <laughs> the, the mother. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to come up with, with any other word for Zena, I, I mean, I remember, so I mentioned practicing her with her uh, at McGregor Park when I was 15, she and Lori, um, you know, going through some reps, hitting, and, and she, just competitive. You know, she was just hard as nails, Zena, and you could see it in the way she worked. You know, she and Lori had such different personalities, but, you know, similar in terms of the, you know, how dynamic their games were but yeah. just in different ways. But it was Zena, it was that hardness. I just saw it uh, from the start. And, you know, I tell this story, we afterwards ran the bayou. And I mean, I'm from Louisiana, it's hot, like Texas, <laughs> and the big deal, got bayous, no right. problem. But that, that was a whole different experience running that bayou. And, you know, I mean, we run like a good jog, but like she, she was running it like, competitive with everything and that taught me so much you know just having that experience with a player who was a professional you know at the level where I was trying to get to uh to see how hard she worked to see how committed and dedicated you know she was and and how she just honed that competitiveness that certainly was an influence for me and we totally agree with your assessment of calling her mother because she has become like our tennis godmother. She's so embraced <laughs> us. And uh, we, she, she told us one time, like, 
You can call me anytime. That's never a bother. And I, we probably are testing that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is it true? <laughs> exactly. So those were a few people that we were interested in. You being, you know, an up-to-speak analyst, who, for our listeners, who are some of the players out there right now that we should maybe keep our eyes on that you think their future is particularly bright? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, you know, been watching, you know, Naomi Osaka, her step up and win a couple of majors, you know, during the last, you know, few years, Bianca Andreescu. I mean, she's mm -hmm. a fantastic player. I mean, the, the, you know, the secret is out, you know, she's a U.S. Open champion, but it was really just this past year that she just burst onto the scene. And, you know, she's dealt with some injuries and some setbacks, but every time she steps out onto the court, it's like her level is just there. I mean, she she got what took me years to get, you know, and she just has it. So she's going to be an exciting, you know, player to watch going forward if she can stay healthy. And, uh, you know, this little break may help um, her. We talked about Coco Golf, who I think is just going to be so much fun you know, to watch as she progresses and especially with how young she is. Uh, and, you know, um, Katie McNally, who is her mm. doubles partner, I really yep. enjoy, you know, her game. And I think she has that type of game that's just different. You know, she doesn't just sit back and play from the baseline. So that could be, you know, a real interesting mix kind of thrown into uh, the game where we see a lot of players, you know, playing one-dimensional tennis. So she's going to be, I think, an exciting young player to watch. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, for me, sort of how some of the more established players, you know, react to those, those new, the new crop of players coming up. And yep. even someone who's not so established, but still kind of think of her a little more of a veteran compared to those, those younger names. But um, Ash Barty, who I love her game. Yeah. I love kind oh. of her mentality. Uh, how grounded she seems to be. Uh, she made some tough decisions early on that have seemed to pay off in terms of walking away from the sport when she knew she needed to. And I just, I love to see those kinds of, uh, you know, that kind of poise and, and that type of awareness uh, from some of these younger players. So it'll be fun to kind of watch how that develops along with their games. Absolutely. Yeah, we are definitely a big fan of Ash Barty. Where the party at? What? Come on now. The Barty party. I can't even say the Barty party. The Barty party. There you go. With the accent. Exactly. So, Chanda, tell us just if you were the commissioner, because you know we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. You got the ITF and you've got the women's tour and the men's tour, and everybody was initially kind of doing their own thing, and now they're finally coming together. If you were the commissioner, the person able to make the choice about tennis, what would be some of the things that you in particular would implement for, for our great sport? I mean, it seems like such, you know, such a foreign idea that we could actually have that over tennis because for so long we've had all these different you know, bodies, governing bodies, decision-making bodies. But, you know, we're talking now about trying to bring the two tours together. I think, you know, obviously if you have a commissioner, you would imagine that they have been brought together, I guess. But that's, that is what I would love to see. Uh, we've been having some of those discussions and that's going to be a tough task. You know, how do you kind of mesh the two tours? How do you 
bring into alignment, you know, the different levels of tournaments, you know, the different system in terms of, of tournaments and prize money and, um, you know, support that's offered, you know, locations of events, you know, prize money levels. I mean, there's so much that has to be discussed, even, you know, from a, a pension standpoint. And, and so I think if we can get that in line, I don't know how we quite do that. I mean, if I did, I probably should be commissioner. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see, um, you know, that happen. I would love to see just more support of each other between, you know, the men's and women's tours. Because, you know, we, we say this as sort of a cliche, but tennis is so special because the men and women play on the same stages. Those are our biggest tournaments. Those are the crown jewels of our sport. And it just creates a whole different level of excitement. Whether you like men's tennis more, whether you like women's tennis more, it's better when you get both. That's and I don't right. know anybody who can't appreciate having both. And you think also about the stars of our sport, how cyclical it can be, you know, the ebbs and flows, you've got, you know, stars now, but then you've got a younger crop coming up, you know, and maybe when the, the men's side doesn't quite have those names, or maybe those names are transitioning out, the women's side kind of picks up the slack. That's how tennis has been, I think, over the right. decades. Mm -hmm. right. And so right. why not use, you know, use those assets, you know, together, you know, to make this sport sort of uh, you know, pandemic proof almost, you know, for lack of a better word. I mean, <laughs> I love you know, it. talking about against all these other sports that, you know, are driving at times so much more television money, tennis could be right there because of the specialness uh, and, and the assets that exist. So I would just love to see more of that. And I think it's starting to happen. Hopefully that can continue. Absolutely. You, you absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly, Chanda. It's, it's, it's really just hopefully seeing that continued ev evolution of the sport and things coming together versus moving apart. And I really feel like this pandemic is going to drive a lot of that in a lot of different areas. I think uh, it's going to give people the ability to really think about things differently and, 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 and hopefully make the, the right improvements on it. And, mm -hmm. um, so, Ch Chanda, overall, and I know we've been talking to you about a ton of stuff. <laughs> right. We want to we want to kind of know what's what, what's going on with you right now. We you know we know you got the little baby, and you're working on the tennis channel. What are, what are, what are some of the other things going on in the life of Chanda Rubin? Um, well, yeah, on, on the personal side, as you mentioned, in the family, you know, I have a three year old. I also have you know stepkids, so I'm doing the homeschool thing and you know we're we're hitting it hard on a, a daily basis. We got the routine going. I'm cooking. Nice. I there mean you go. I don't even recognize myself sometimes. I'm like, what? <laughs> meal planning? Are you serious? You know, but you know, I have I've adapted and settled in and and uh, I'm enjoying it and certainly appreciative. Uh, of this moment in time, because it goes so fast. And that's one thing I'm really seeing uh, as I get older, how quickly those moments just zip by. So, you know, just trying to take advantage. And I think that's been one of one of the positives during this, this period of time, as much as, you know, we're trying to, to get out of it and, and hopefully people can come out of it as safely as possible. Um, you know, but it's maybe appreciating the ability to slow down and just spend more time with those around us and, and, you know, with the people we love and, and care about. Uh, so I'm trying to, to look at it from that standpoint. Um, I'm also uh, started a, a show 
um, a live show with Zena Garrison. We talked a lot about Zena and uh, you know, we have continued to uh, be friends and, and we pick up the phone and we'll just chat about stuff. And you know, we'll be watching a match and we'll be doing like our sideline commentating, talking about what's going on and, and just things that we think about. And so we said, you know, well, why don't, during this time, why don't we start a show? Why don't we kind of do something like that? Just really easy, really relaxed. Um, we get different guests on uh, to talk about, you know, tennis and other things. And it's been a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying that. And of course, it's kind of uh, alongside my day job with the Tennis Channel. Uh, we're <laughs> we're getting, getting some remote work in. So at home, I'm here in my office uh, you know, on, on camera trying to, as Zena says, get my set right. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> going. So, uh, so it's been different, but it's been fun. And, and I actually enjoy those weeks. So those are my busiest weeks where I have Tennis Channel, uh, you know, five days of, of the, the live show, three hour show that I do uh, with them. And then, you know, Zena and I will have our, our uh, show, our chat, game set chat show, one of the days at the end of that week. Plus I have the girls the, and we're doing the homeschool. And, and that's, those are kind of my, my favorite weeks because they're crazy and they're busy. And I literally don't have time to think. I just go on routine and, and it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. And I did not expect this, but I'm going with it. <laughs> hey, well, well it, your schedule definitely sounds very full, and it just makes us even more appreciative that you took time today Man. to uh, have this session with us. Because I, Isaac and I are looking at each other right now, and we're just like, like you know, boy, come on, man, we got Chad on the line, exactly. <laughs> come on. And for our listeners, you know, we met Chanda a couple times before. I, I first met her in an airport in Houston. And then we saw her at the Australian Australia Open that following year. And I tell you what, as nice as she appears on television, she is equally as nice in person, uh, just a very gracious person. And we're mm -hmm. so, so very appreciative of the time you spent with us today. So thank you, Chanda, yes. thank uh, you, for being Chanda. with us. I want to read You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Great. I want to re reiterate to our listeners, if you have not joined their Facebook group called Game, Set, Chat, it, it is on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It is a live show. I think they've had about four so far. I think I've been on every one of those yep. so far. Yep. Chanda, thank you for, for always giving us love on the question. I questions. know, right? Thank you for that, Chanda. <laughs> I love seeing yes. you guys come on. I'm like, hey, our friends are on. We've got another good question coming. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. <laughs> good. And then, of course, we can't forget about the tennis channel. Please continue yes. to support the Tennis Channel right. uh, and watch uh, our girl Chanda do her thing. So uh, with that, we're yeah. going to sign off. I want to acknowledge our producer, CJ. We, we don't shout him out enough, but he's always the mastermind behind everything. We want to try to get him on the mic one day. He just always refuses. But uh, uh, we do <laughs> want to get him. <laughs> right? yeah. He's hiding. He's like cutting stuff off. Exactly. Get exactly. Him. Get him. Exactly. So shout out to you, uh, CJ. And next week, listeners, we're going to do something we've never done before. Uh, one of our listeners gave us a recommendation to do a show on Monfils and Sangha. That's right. So we're going to do that next week. Yep. Uh, and we're very excited about that. So we'll look out uh, online for when we're going to drop that episode. 
So with that, we'll sign off. This is your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Be safe, everyone.